Warren Buffett, BlackRock, and other institutional players dominate investments in commercial aviation. Why? Because it's one of the most profitable and predictable alternative assets that exists. And it's not tied to other markets such as real estate and the stock market. Is it safe? Well, imagine triple net leases to the likes of American Airlines and British Airways. Income is contractual and guaranteed by some of the biggest named airlines in the world. That's why this kind of investment was never available to the ordinary accredited investor. That is until now. Visit accesswealthaviation.com and check it out for yourself. Invest in an institutional team with over 200 plus years of combined investment experience in the aviation sector. Conservative investing with double digit returns and tax advantages. That's accesswealthaviation.com. Accesswealthaviation.com. Worried about saving too little too late for retirement? The Wealth Accelerator may be exactly what you need. With the help of some of the oldest and most reliable insurance companies in the country, Wealth Accelerator allows you to take most of the upside of any good year in the stock market and use bank loans to magnify those returns significantly. And what if the stock market has a bad year? No need to fear. Wealth Accelerator is engineered so you don't participate in the losses of the market, no matter how bad of a year it is. Sounds too good to be true, right? But it's not. It's simply the same financial engineering that the ultra-wealthy have been doing for years. Now it's your turn. Check it out for yourself by going to WealthFormulaBanking.com. Again, that's WealthFormulaBanking.com. You are listening to the Wealth Formula Podcast with Buck Joffrey. Get ready to change your life. Welcome, everybody. This is Buck Joffrey with the Wealth Formula Podcast. Last weekend, I was at the Planning for Prosperity conference over in Orlando. Now, this is a conference that teaches people how to invest their money in quote-unquote non-traditional investments. Now, the irony is that the word traditional in the world of IRA investing, which this conference was about, are stocks, bonds, and mutual funds. So basically, if you are investing through your IRA, the traditional investments are stocks, bonds, and mutual funds. And basically, of course, these are derivatives of real assets. Now, why would that be? Why would stocks, bonds, and mutual funds be considered traditional? Well, because the banks control the system. Remember, Wall Street is not on your side. We've talked about that in the show many times. They're not out there to make you money. They're out there to take your money. So where does your IRA money sit when you invest it? Well, it sits with the bank. And the bank is also the one that your brokerage account typically go to, and that's what they want you to do. And who controls the equity markets? Who controls the stock market? Again, it's the banks, right? So that's why stocks, bonds, and mutual funds are considered traditional when it comes to investing in your IRA. Now, this conference put on by uh, Glenn Mather over in Orlando focuses on how to use your IRA on quote-unquote non-traditional stuff. Now, non-traditional stuff here. When you look at who came to talk at this conference, you learned that the people who are considered non-traditional were focusing in on multiple different real estate categories, business categories, and even some commodities. Now, how in the world did those things become non-traditional? I mean, wow, I mean, real estate investing, how is that non-traditional? That's about as real as it gets, right? 
Well, again, because the banks don't control it. If you invest your money in real estate, then it's not going to go in a brokerage account and make anybody on Wall Street any money. So that's why it is considered non-traditional. So therefore, in order to invest in these non-traditional assets, you have to go through a lot more rigmarole than just by dumping your money into worthless paper that the bank controls. It's not by coincidence that it's harder to invest in real assets because the banks make the rules, Wall Street makes the rules, they make it harder for you to invest in things that are not controlled by them. And that's where the guys like Glenn Mather over at New View IRA are helping us all out. They're making this really easy. And I encourage you, if you're not investing your IRA in real stuff, to seriously check out this meeting or at least give Glenn a call over at NewView and find out what kinds of things you can invest in. By the way, you can invest in a number of pretty much anybody I've interviewed on this show. You can invest your money with them, with your IRA. I know that for a fact. So, again, it is making it easy. What those guys do is they make it easy to invest in real assets. So let's back up a little bit because, again, we're talking about IRAs. and Ultimately, we're talking about retirement. So it got me thinking about retirement, and I wanted to do a show about that. The first thing I want to say is that you've got to consciously ignore conventional wisdom because it's all wrong. It's all complete baloney, all right? And I truly believe that. Let's start with the retirement calculators, okay? Probably everybody's who's thought about saving money for retirement has at least toyed around with one of these retirement calculators. Now, the conventional wisdom is that you have to save enough money so that when you retire, the idea is that you're going to withdraw or you'll be able to withdraw 4% per year out of your retirement funds and that this will hopefully last you 30 years. That's the anticipated time from when you retire to when you die. So here is the first problem. The conventional way of looking at retirement, it's literally like filling up a bottle of water and trying to make it last so you don't die of thirst before you die from something else. I mean, literally, that's what it is, right? So you're creating a finite amount of money that is supposed to last you until you die. That sounds downright scary. I mean, what if you outlive your money? Who knows? I mean, more and more people are going to live to be 100 years old by the time the next generation gets to that time in their life. But I think the bigger concern is what if all of the assumptions that go into the 4% rule are actually wrong, which I think is actually very likely. So I went on the web to try to find out, okay, well, who's talking about retirement saving and who's talking about how to invest that money, etc.? and to see if there's any brilliant ideas that I could take away from it. And I didn't see a whole lot, frankly. I did find a presentation by another physician who's made a pretty good name for himself in the investment space. Not to, you know, badmouth him or anything like that. I mean, at least he's trying. But listen, his assumptions and figuring out on how much you had to put aside with every paycheck predicated on the idea that your money would grow at what he called a 5% real growth per year. Now, what does that mean? I mean, what does that even mean, uh, real growth? Well, real growth means it's growth that takes into account inflation. So if inflation was 2% and your actual yield was 7%, the real growth would therefore be 5%. That's 7 minus 2. So my big concern right away is investing in stocks, bonds, and mutual funds. If you do that, are you really willing to bet all of your golden years 
that you're going to get a 7% nominal return over the years that you're investing. Well, let's look at that. Let's do a deep dive. With bonds, well, you might be looking at 2 to 3% nominal growth, maybe. Maybe that's a little high, honestly, because even if you're looking at junk bonds right now, the 30-year yields are in the area of 5%. Of course, junk bonds, meaning the bonds of companies that pretty much have no credit, and those are the first ones to get killed in a recession. But even if they did work, you got 5% on junk bonds. That's still not enough to get to that 7% on bonds. What about mutual funds, right? I mean, that's the holy grail. That's what everybody thinks they're supposed to do. Oh, yeah, we're in a bunch of mutual funds that our wealth advisor put us in. Well, that's great news. Well, according to Forbes, the average cost of a mutual fund, and that's from the people, the cost, when I say the cost, it's the amount of money that people who are putting together and selling you that fund what they take is approximately 3.17% per year. So to get a nominal rate of return of 7, you'd need an average yield of about 10% on your mutual funds during the times of your savings. Now, I hate to tell you this, but that's just not going to happen. Historically, it hasn't happened, and we are not in a good time in the market, right? So where do I get that 7% again? You'd have to do 10% on your mutual funds. You'd have to get 10%. And then you'd subtract away 3.17% to get 7%, to get the assumed 7% nominal rate that you would need in order to make these assumptions correct. In fact, let's talk about stocks because most of the time these mutual funds all go into stocks anyway, right? So the stock market right now is at an all-time high and everybody's excited about that. Frankly, it's relative because the market has been pretty much flat for the last three years. And furthermore, while the stock market is at an all-time high, so are the valuations of the stock itself. What does that mean? So the earnings of these companies are actually really disappointing, right? And typically, the way a stock price comes out is it's a certain you know multiple of earnings. Let's say earnings was 100 bucks, and if the multiple was 10, then 10 times 100 bucks the total stock value would be 1000 The stock would be broken up out of that 1000 What's happening right now is those multiples of earnings are way too high. They're historically high. And what that means is that the stocks are valued way too high and a correction is inevitable. But you don't have to listen to me for that. Who am I? I'm just another dumb doctor, right? The biggest traders on Wall Street, guys like George Soros, Jim Rogers, they're all shorting the market. So why in the world... Would you keep your money in the market because your wealth advisor keeps telling you, hey, invest for the long run, right? Yeah, BS. Listen, we live in a financially unparalleled times, okay? Interest rates have been zero for eight years. That's never happened in the history of financial world. What happens when you have zero rates for that long is it frees up institutional capital, and promotes corporate buybacks of stock. What that means is these companies buy back their own stock because basically they're getting free money to do it, and that artificially boosts their stock market. It boosts their value, and ultimately when this happens throughout the stock market, it boosts the entire stock market. So no one knows how long this stagnant new world order is going to last. I mean, the Federal Reserve has pretty much admitted that we're in uncharted territory, and they don't really know what they're doing. The bottom line is that we live in a world with different rules now, and you can't use old paradigms to plan for a new world, especially when you don't know what the new rules are, and we don't. 
Nobody does. Not even the Federal Reserve knows what the new world rules are, where we're going to be in 10 years. That said, you can't assume that you're going to get 5% real growth after inflation on your investments in these equity markets. For that matter, you can't even assume that inflation will be limited to 2% per year. You know, there's many experts that I agree with that believe that we'll need to have inflation closer to 4 or 5% to keep the financial engine running and, frankly, just to pay off our own national debt. So now what happens to that assumed 5% growth that you're hinging your future on? Well, it becomes nearly impossible, right? So this doctor I'm talking about, again, I don't want to pick on him again. He's at least out there thinking about what people should do, what he should do with his future and his investments. It's a lot more than a lot of professionals are doing. And he's not really saying anything different from anyone else, so I can't blame him. Personally, I just don't buy it. That's the problem. I think the fact that most people are being led down this death trap of advice is going to result in catastrophic consequences in the coming years when people like me in their early 40s reach retirement age. And many of my high-paid professional colleagues like doctors and lawyers are going to go broke because, frankly, they lived too long. They didn't save enough. So the other thing I didn't even mention here was that in all of these calculations, The assumption is always that we will require significantly less money to live on when we're old. So the doctor who did this presentation said that doctors should plan on easily living off of 25% of their current income. Well, I don't know about you, but I, for one, am not interested in making less than a quarter of what I do now when I retire. I don't want to be pinched in my lifestyle. I don't want to have a lot less money. I mean, for the typical doctor, living on a quarter of your current income might be $50,000 per year. Now, that's what I made as a resident, and frankly, that's not a way to live. Now, doesn't that sound sad? It makes me physically ill that people are being fed this kind of stuff. So what's the answer? Well, for one, don't be a lemming. Do not follow conventional wisdom, right? It's based on an old paradigm that may have worked at one point, but we have no way of knowing if it's going to work anymore. And even if it did work, it's based on things that might not be that appealing, like making less money, like having a finite amount of money that you're hoping not to outlive. Well, I think it'd be a much better way just to start now and try to create streams of income. Okay, so now we're talking about not a finite bottle of water that you're hoping that you won't finish before you die, but now you're talking about creating streams of money, right? Money that keeps going forever cash flow that you can pass on generations. That's what we ought to be shooting for. Not a big reservoir that's finite. And with regard to the 7% assumption, in the equity markets, in stocks, bonds, and mutual funds, I don't think you're going to get that. But in reality, there are plenty of ways to get 8, 10, 15, even 20% or more on your investments. If you just take the time to teach yourself how, and you believe that it's possible. How do I know that? Well, I'm invested in two different funds, and one of them yields me 12% per year, and the other one 9 and they're both backed by various types of real estate, so it's not like it's unsecured, it's real. And my real estate portfolio, meaning actual real estate that I own, has an average yield of about 18% cash-on-cash return per year. Now, that's not normal. What I happen to do is buy at some fortuitous times and bought some undervalued property. But it certainly is very possible to get double-digit returns on real estate. Now, my oil and gas investments yield less because of the current oil costs, but I'm still getting over 5%, which is still better than a junk bond. 
Ladies and gentlemen, don't just listen to the show. Take action. You don't want to be a victim of ignorance. Now, are you taking advice from the wrong people? Because this is really not that hard. I'm actually a pretty simple guy. I invest in things that I understand. People have to live somewhere. They have to pay rent. That's why you invest in apartment buildings. The world relies on energy. I have fractional ownership in oil and gas and alternative energies. And I do not own stocks and bonds. Because my investments do not respond in real time to global problems. I don't lose 25% of my portfolio because of some glitch in the computers at the New York Stock Exchange. Own real stuff that puts money in your pocket. You don't have to manage it. Honestly, if you're not interested in owning buildings yourself, there are so many opportunities for fractional ownership of real assets out there right now. I'm introducing to you many of the people who are doing this on this show. Fractional ownership of real assets, by the way, what does that mean? Well, it's a fancy word for being a limited partner in a business or in an asset. But how do you do that? Well, again, learn how by listening to this show. Go to my website. Subscribe to my newsletter. Listen to other people. There's plenty of other guys out there who are doing great shows. I mean, like my friends are the real estate guys, Robert and Russ. I invest with people who I know and trust and whose deal it makes sense. And those are the people I'm introducing you to on this show. So take action now so you don't go broke when you're 80 and rely on your kids to take care of you. If you don't take this seriously, you're going to learn the hard way. That is reality, okay? We live in different times. There's a new normal, and we don't know what that normal is. It's really tricky. And with that, I will talk to you next week on the Wealth Formula Podcast. Thank you for listening to the Wealth Formula Podcast. Visit us on the web at wealthformula.com. The information contained in this podcast are opinions, not fact. As always, consult your own financial team before making any investment. See you next time. Self-storage is a necessary evil. It's where you keep your stuff and forget about it. No wonder this stuff is so profitable and recession-resistant. The Wealth Formula community, well, we've benefited from that. We've made lots of money in this space with Reliant Real Estate, one of the largest self-storage companies in the country. With an average investor internal rate of return of almost 34%, with hold times just over three and a half years, these guys know what the meaning of velocity of money is. If you're an accredited investor, make sure to check out what they're up to right now at ReliantFund4.com. Again, that's ReliantFund4.com. Buck Joffrey here from Sapio with Buck Joffrey. Aging might become reversible over the next 10 to 20 years. It's already being done in lab animals, so it's just a matter of time. Our challenge? To be healthy enough for when that time comes. As a former scientist and surgeon myself, my goal is to figure out how to do that and to share it with you. I wrote a book called Living Longer for Busy People that you can download for free at sapiopodcast.com. You'll be amazed at just how a few daily adjustments can add years of a healthy life for you. Again, download it for free, sapiopodcast.com.